We're going to talk today about identity, identification. How are we identified? How do we identify ourselves? How do other people identify us? But there's only one real identification that we'll talk about. I Lord, we just thank you for today what a beautiful day you've given us. It's a gift from you. We just thank you for it. Now, Lord, help us understand something about who we are. Something we didn't know before, something that you're trying to impress our hearts about how important it is to be identified correctly. And help us to know deep in our hearts, Lord. That you're the one who identifies us. We want to rest in that. And have that be our all-encompassing purpose in life. To just be yours. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. What makes you who you are? Who are you? I mean, I sort of know you guys. You sort of know me. But there's a lot of ways to identify somebody. On your bulletin, there's a couple of pictures. There's a New York State driver's license. All that identifies. Some people insist on seeing that. Otherwise, they don't believe we are who we are. I know if we walk up to pay the bill, and the lady will ask me, Do you have any identification? And I'll say, Yeah, that's her. <laughs> so, right, that's, right. that's not good enough for that. My word, they need that picture ID. Or how about that confirmation stick? You were confirmed in a church. That sort of tells something about your identity. Or how about your birth certificate? I gave my passport a few years ago. Call up my birth certificate. They had no record of me being born. <laughs> where I was born. I had to drive to Albany to go to some special office to get a bunch of records to find my birth certificate. But you know, I was still somebody before they found out. They just had to prove it to themselves. So what proof do we have? Well, there's all different kinds of ways to identify yourself. For instance, your profession. I was a teacher for many years. I was identified as a teacher. And of course, guys, that's how we identify ourselves in the people we do. Who are you? I'm a teacher. <laughs> that's not what I ask you. Who are you? Oh, I work for us. No, no, no. But that's what we do to ourselves. We identify ourselves by what we do. Or our interests. Jay identifies himself as a mess man. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Try not to. So, uh, okay. And a Jets fan, too. Yes, sir. It's okay. There's a lot of other people who are Jets and Mets fans. You still get an interest there, and maybe you can gather around those people. <laughs> <laughs> or how about the knitting crew? Or the crochet crew? 
was called African American. But he's only half African American. So how does that fit into the group, the race group? And then we have some other people who are full African American, who the African American community rejects totally, like Alan Keyes and Dr. Ben Carson. You see, when we allow people to start putting us into categories, they have power over the category and us. So we've got to be real, real careful how we are identified, how we allow ourselves to be identified by other people, and therefore how we identify ourselves. What do you say about yourself? What's your identity? How would you identify yourself if somebody asked you? What is your most important identifiable characteristic? Who are you? What would you say? Here we are as Christians talking about family. So we better look carefully at what our identity is according to God. That was a good place right now. <laughs> what is our Christian identity, if you want to put it that way? What is our godly identity? Because if our identity is not found in God, our identifiable characteristics get all mixed up, confused, changed from day to day, hour to hour. And we get confused about who we really are and how that affects our purpose in life. Who you are works into your purpose in life. So you have to be careful about who you are. So let's think for a minute. Who are we? Who are we? Jesus helped us a little bit. Gee, he was not interested. Mark chapter 3. Jesus talks about family. And boy, there's a lot of controversy about these verses here. Chapter 3, I'm going to look first at verse 20. One night Jesus entered a house, and the crowd began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't eat five times to eat. When his family heard, now I'm talking about his nuclear family, his flesh and blood family. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Here's his own nuclear family saying he's nuts. We got a crazy person in our family. They're trying to section him out from the normal part of the family, quote unquote normal. He's abnormal. That's how he's identified by his own family. And now we skip down to verse 31. There's a title right here in this Bible on this section. The true family of Jesus. So we're talking about not just his nuclear family or flesh and blood, blood family. Now we're going to talk about something a little bit different. But it's still about family. Verse 31. 
Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word to him to come out and talk to him. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who is excluded in any Anyone? No. Anyone means everybody. Anyone who does God's will, like I do, is my brother and sister and mother. He's not missing his nuclear family. He's not angry at them because they call him crazy. He's not disowning them for the rest of his life. He didn't change his last name, but still Christ. But he's trying to give us some truth here about priorities in family relationships and closeness, real closeness and kinship in family. What's Jesus trying to say about the overriding feature of family life? What is my real identity? Who am I? It must be based in God if it's to be true family. That overriding feature that is the umbrella over life on earth. And that family life, that family relationship, that family identity in God informs or affects every single other part of my identity who I am. No other identity covers it all. That's the one. That's why I could say a couple of weeks ago. I don't say I have cancer. I have Jesus. The overriding. The overriding identification feature for me is I'm God's Everything else in my life is affected by that identity. That identity affects my attitude and outlook and my life with cancer in my life. Just like every other part of my life. It affects how I am a husband. It affects how I'm a dad. It affects how I ask it. It affects how I'm a friend. It affects how I'm a son. You see, being a son of Belmar isn't the overriding factor of my life. That can't inform the rest of my life. I can't live my life just as a son of God. That's going to fall short. I'm never going to reach my purpose. I'm never going to find out who I really am. Because only in God 
Laura Simon, who got emphasis on the world. So we're not me, so that I can live and fulfill the purpose God has for me. Colossians 127, verse 25. Paul writes, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept a secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you. And this is the secret. It's not a secret anymore. Here it is. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. This is your identity. I belong to Jesus. I'm his. He loves me. And he's a reflection of the Father. God of the universe loves me. This is my identity. This is who I am. Everything else has to be subject to that identity. When I make a mistake, I even sin, and forget that identity, and even reject it sometimes in my life, I find out I'm a deep Because I don't walk then in who I really am. I try to people please. I try to be in a group or out of a group. My life becomes a whirlwind of activity trying to prove who I am to myself and everybody else. The only true family connection is when, first, we are in the family of God. Nobody can cancel you out of the family of God. When God says you're in, you're in. Forever. Jesus Christ, living in each of his children, by his spirit, makes the believers ties in God's household of supreme importance. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us in Mark. Supreme importance. My identity has to be in Christ. Has to be number one. It's probably got to be number one through fifth for me. Because I can keep reminding myself over and over and over. Then I can finally get to 51. And the quote that it says, true kinship. I you know kinship. You're my kin, my kin. It was an old man, that's why it's not a kin. But even that's not my true kin. My true kin is just my kin. True kinship. True family ties. There's four things that could be done under both of them. What true kinship really is. Things we have in common. Kinship is commonality. That's why it's kin. Number one, common experience. 
are in kinship with someone, when you have a common experience with them, you sit around and say, hey, you remember when we, we got all these memories. And you can. We got shared experiences there. But when we're talking about true kinship, when we're talking about the Christian life, the most important experiences, such for the Christian, we're all forgiven, redeemed sons and daughters of God. This is our common experience. This is why we're true kin. I can't look at myself as a sinner saved by grace. God came because I was a lost son. He loved me. Even before I loved him. I was lost. He came to save me. He redeemed me with his family. That's what our common interest is. We are now reconciled to the God of the universe. What higher experience would we have than to now be connected, really connected to God? That's true family. Second, common interests. Of what groups are we members? Well, we talked about a lot of those interest groups. Identifying factors we good at in our life. But for the Christian, we all desire to know God more. This is why we're kin. This is our common interest. We want to know God. We want to be with God. We want to understand God. Hey, you've got the mind of Christ, we should understand God. Oh! So in true, true kinship, we have common interests. We have common interests. The third thing, common obedience. Who's our master? You don't live an independent life. I don't care what the American spirit says. You are not independent. You are interdependent with a lot of other people. And you're dependent on some people. And in some of those relationships, you have to obey. Everybody has to obey somebody. Because Everybody is under somebody's authority. And everybody has authority over somebody else. That's the way God set up life on earth. You can't get away from it. You can try to rebel against it, but it's going to hurt. So, who's your next? I just watched. Uh, remember the Titans again. Movie? Picture Denzel Washington standing outside the bus when this uh, wise guy said something to him. Denzel Washington says, Hey, who's your daddy? Mm-hmm. Who's your daddy? Come on, who's your daddy? Like, I'm the coach. You're not. For the Christian, we are a band of comrades under God. We all obey 
the same loving word. That's kinship. True kinship. When we willingly, together, submit ourselves to God. The fourth thing, we ought to come goal. When you are in kinship with someone, you're heading for the same place. So, what are you planning? What are you shooting for? Where are you going? Where are you headed for? When we're in kinship, we're going in the same direction. For a Christian, we all want to see the expansion of God's kingdom. That's our goal in life. Not for ourselves, because we love God. We want to live for God. And we have this heart. So when we see people who are not headed for that goal, we hurt. Just like that hurts. We're not trying to prove to people we're right. God was right long before I said he was right. <laughs> we want what God This is true kinship. This is true family. William Barclay wrote a whole series of commentaries. Here's what he says. Only one thing can wipe out the ever-sharpening distinctions and separations between man and man. When we all see ourselves as debtors to God's grace, we hold God. When we all are debtors to God's grace and we're all in Christ, only then will we be one. But when we are one, we're in the same family of God. This is our true identity. See, only the love of God, only the love of God can bring us to our true identity. Because true love wants what's best for you. Not just for yourself, but he wants best for you because he loves me. We're here together. Hello. You being you is what's best for me, and me being me is what's best for you. About the family of God, about us being in a relationship with each other. We're supposed to put on things, not just so we look good, but so that we are good to each other. So you look at the last thing I'm holding. We must not allow the world system or our experiences to identify or group us. Rather, all of these attempts to give meaning to our existence must submit to this truth. Here it is. Here it is. Your identity. How are you identify? Your identification. We are identified by the life of Jesus. 
If I, when I question your motives, I'm wrong. Yesterday I questioned her mother, so I was wrong. Oh, I want you to thank you know what? So we're going to sit down and have a chat. Where are you, baby? Let's, let's talk about this. I have no clue where you are. Your mind is somebody else has got more money than But because we're identified as sons and daughters of God. And as Christ living in us, we can get to the point where that identity affects whatever I was feeling because of my childhood. I'm not trying to minimize what happened to my childhood. Okay? But I'm not an abandoned little boy anymore. child of God. And God shows me how to deal with the fact that I was a damaged child. And then bring healing into my life. I didn't even know I was a damaged child like I say. <laughs> I knew I was messed up, but I didn't know why. I don't want to say I'm doing the final word here to surrogate the kind of She stood right up there and said, What's the final word?
Bible in more than one place says, your first priority is to treat your real kin correctly. The people in the body of Christ. Just like Jesus, though, it's not saying ignore your earthly family. Ignore your flesh and blood family. If you have flesh and blood family who is not a Christian, your heart for them should be the same as God's. You're hurting for them. You want them with you. And you will do whatever Holy Spirit tells you to do to be used of God to help that person come into the kingdom of God. It's not easy. But we can do it because of the true family that God has placed us in. Our true identity. Who we really, really are. In the next two weeks, actually three weeks, because we got next week is our Father's Day and the Father's Day. And the week after that, those two weeks, we're going to be having some people in this group give some testimony about how their identity in Christ helps them to be good family members either in our church family or in our flesh and blood family. We have all kinds of testimonies in this group. We've got to around. Because everybody has testimonies. Everybody's in a place. Everybody's in a spot. Everybody's in a certain walk with the Lord, a certain level, whatever it might be. But we are all coming from the same of having an identity in Christ that is affecting every other area of our life. That's what's so exciting about God. He can do it all. And we rejoice in it. And to be honest with you, I'll tell you this, you might not know it. I don't know it. I preach from my heart and my experience. Hopefully, the Spirit of God informs everyone. That's not a guarantee of that. But one thing I do know, I want to encourage you every day to be everything God actually you to do. And I don't know what that is. So it's going to be good to hear from some other people about what God is actually doing. Look to that little card some words to the song. You ready, Zach? Would you please repeat after me? I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. You are my identity. You are my You tell me who I really am. You tell me who I really am. 
receive it from you. And I hold on to it for dear life. Because I love you. I trust you. You are mine and I am yours. And that's my true identity.